Hello, everyone, and welcome to the much-awaited, for at least this month, <laughs> Long Box Heroes After Dark, episode 144, colon, Gallifrey Birds, Roman numeral 8. Todd, are you ready? I am ready as I'll ever be, since I watched 93 hours of wrestling this week. I could have given you the previous WrestleMania, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 2000 which was the first time that they had experimented with going all day with the WrestleMania festivities. Mm-hmm. And it was an experiment that has come to pass over the last several years now. Now, SummerSlam even starts at like 4.30. They start letting the fans into the building at 5.30 with matches starting promptly at 5.31. <laughs> and then it runs to well after 11. Oh my goodness. Right. We should I can't wait to if I can't wait if we win a lot of money to to go to all those shows me and you and cover them for the for the the podcasts cuz that's what we'll be doing, you know, for a job then, you know. Mm-hmm. We'll right. Well, I, I, the, I it looks like I'm going to Royal Rumble this year cuz it's in Philly. Ooh. And I've never been to a Royal Rumble, but I'm afraid that they're going to pull this shit with the Royal Rumble this year as well. Where it's all day? Where it's like, it starts at 5, and it runs until well after 11. Because oh. I would feel terrible for you. Well, I know, you. well, you always feel terrible, but like this uh, weekend, it's at the Barclay Center. Mm-hmm. Do you know what this is? I know of the Barclay Center. See, I know what the capacity in a place like that is for basketball. But for wrestling, they get about fifteen, sixteen thousand 16,000 people in there. And they did NXT on Saturday night, the Royal Rumble Sunday, Raw Monday night, and they're doing SmackDown from their uh, Tuesday. And then they're doing the same thing with Royal Rumble this year, which is all at the... And again, I don't know what it's called. It's the Spectrum, Todd. They, they mm-hmm. tore the Spectrum down. The building where they have wrestling in Philly is the Spectrum. Yes. Like, I want to get the Longbox Heroes naming rights on the new... Raiders Stadium in oh, Vegas. Okay, that's what I want to do because uh, it's fresh. It'll be always known as that. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no like, oh, Vegas Stadium. It'll be so grandfathered we, in, right? And then from then on out, it could be like the Charmin Toilet Paper Stadium, but it'll always be remembered for something just as shitty. Long Box Heroes. Have you ever seen the movie I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker? Years ago. Are you aware of the film? Yes. Okay. Do you know the scene I'm talking about with a young Chris Rock coming into the rib joint? Yes. Okay. How much for just one rib? Just one rib, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that's that's us. It's like, all right, we brokered the deal. So how many years would you like uh, your name, Longbox Heroes, on the new Raider Stadium? Just one. One year, huh? No, 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 just one game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's all we want. Uh, preseason, preferably, is cheaper. <laughs> right. We just want that first game. Mm-hmm. So it's so going to be that grandpa- extra work for you to put the sign up, and then <laughs> right? extra work that our name's going to at least be in the building for at least one more game, because it's going to take you a while to get our name down. That's right. Well, you have your choice. You can either stick our name to it or pin our name to it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Decide. Pin's Which too easy. It's just like you take the backing off and it's gone. <laughs> at least with a sticker, you'll see our you'll see our name residue underneath the new 
whatever it is. That's what I think of when I think of our name, Residue. Right. Oh, boy. And I got followed by a pin, an enamel pin making company on Twitter because of our chat. See? I don't get bothered by the sticker community. They're a nice, they're a nice group of people that keep to themselves. They don't have spam bots that follow you when you say stickers all the time. Mm. It's more of a reason to be anti-pin. Wow, look at you. Still anti-pin. Of course. But, like, let's say it changes, you know, it it says Longbox Hero Arena, right? And they take that sticker off, and then the next Mm -hmm. company that takes it over is, like, Avis Car Rental, right? So Mm -hmm. it's the Avis Arena. I think Longbox Heroes has a lot more letters than Avis. So every time you flash that logo up, you're going to see the remnants of us underneath it. Our ghostly faces (laughs) from our... Oh. From that Durenic artwork. Yep. That would be fantastic. Oh, that's right. We're going to get the whole thing up. I thought it was just going to oh. say Longbox Heroes. No, no we got to use the logo that okay. we use. That makes sense. And, then, and it'll have the, oh, I'm going all out the Amazon click-through and everything. Do you, know, do you know the side of a stadium is not a website? It's not? It's not. Well, this is a new stadium. So oh, I don't okay. know how I don't know what the technology is now. Gotcha. So, I wanted to have a nice segue there when you had mentioned about Ghostly Residue so we can get into the stuff that I had to watch today. Oh, go ahead. So, um, I had a joke that I was going to do about this episode, but I'm going to save it for another time. Another episode? Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's kind of an evergreen joke that would kind of work. Okay. Uh, elsewhere. So, I apologize, Jesse. I'll get you next time. All so, right. So, this is... According to people who think that Doctor Who is a thing, mm-hmm. a very famous episode of Doctor Who because this is the eighth Doctor, and this is the only time he appears in a thing like this. Correct? Yes. Other than the short for the fiftieth anniversary, right? Uh, that's his only appearance. Okay. So it's entitled the movie special edition, right? And Todd had read. Uh, what it was about last time off the back of the box, right? Mm-hmm. And when I when I got this and I saw that it was two discs, as always, I got hot, right? Right. Because I'm like, God damn it, how much is Todd making me watch? I give him this rinky-dink short pay-per-view and he gives me... No, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, you could probably tell me this. And I, I'm, Todd, I'm actually going to have a lot of questions for you mm-hmm. that I am serious about wanting answers to okay okay um so how long was it in between the previous doctor and like the last episode of the previous doctor and this doctor um it was late 80s to 96 so like 89 okay 87 or 89 i forget which one it was so we're talking a good seven years that there was no new doctor who being uh made right definitely now in between this and the next doctor how much time was there um, from 96 to 2005 or 6. I can't oh. remember what, what, because that one was weird. That was one of those that it, it premiered in England and then we didn't get it like same day back then. We literally got it a year later. So I'm fuzzy on the, on the year, but it was 2005 or 6. Okay. So I want to start right off by saying, uh, with this episode, we'll get into the plot and all my other little notes and everything else like this. Um, that first of all, the theme sucks for this one. Oh yeah, I'm not a fan. Of Worst the theme. theme of them all, so generic, so bland, so whatever. 
So the the thesis of this episode, movie, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, is the ma- like the Doctor gets one up on the Master, who's his rival Time Lord, who's wasted all of his lives. Every Time Lord gets thirteen lives, as we're told. Mm-hmm. And as his last request, the Doctor is taking the Master's remains from Scarrow. The home of the Daleks. Right, back to Gallifrey, which they stole from this show. Right. So, it's the, so first, the first 20 minutes of this is the previous Doctor. Right, the seventh Doctor. Right. Sylvester McCoy. Sylvester McCoy, right? Now, as he's in the TARDIS, okay... Um, they are very lightly, very subtly, Todd, letting us know that this show has to deal with time travel. What? He's listening to a song about time. There's clocks all over the place. He's reading the book, The Time Machine. It's almost as though this particular iteration of Doctor Who was to be made for really stupid people. Mm-hmm. More on that later. Okay. So, uh, while this is going on, there's a something that happens that causes the little cask that the doctor that the master's remains are in, and then the master, I guess, his remains are CGI jizz. <laughs> yes, that's that, exactly what it is. Right. That is, first of all, disgusting to look at. And then when it moves, it's some of the best uh, CGI that you'll ever see in your entire life. Right. 1996, best CGI you're going to get. So this it caused the TARDIS to crash land in San Francisco in 1999. At the time that this was made, the far-flung future of 1999. And then again, of course, it's to get like the whole t- you know 2000 thing. So they were a little ahead of the curve on that. I don't think anyone was really hitting that millennia thing uh, this early. Mm-hmm. So I give him a little credit for that. Then we then we're introduced to a a group of young toughs that are on the the run from a police officer or something. And this is just to show them that they're like they're ne'er do well children. They're gang members. Yeah. They're gang members, and you also know this because one of the young gang members gives the other one a spin kick high five. Well, hey, you gotta give them some personality. Right, and then they're all killed, and then the other one is, like, one of our main characters. I don't even remember his name. It doesn't even matter what his name is. He, he, he's, he stinks. I don't like that character, right off the bat. Right. So, when this is going on, they get into a gun battle with other gang members, and this is when the doctor shows up, and the doctor gets shot, right? Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, this was a surprise to me. I did not know that a Time Lord could be killed by uh, conventional means. He could be killed by pretty much any means. Right. That a human could be. Right. All the previous times, he's just like carefree, walking into problems with not a, you know, without a worry in the world. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe he's like invincible or something. Or maybe because he has two hearts, which they mention a couple times in this episode, Todd. A few times. Once or 17 times. Mm -hmm. Um... That because he has two hearts, like, maybe, like, if one goes, he's okay, it's there as a backup, I don't know, you know? I don't know what the gimmick of these aliens are, right? Mm-hmm. So because there's a gunfight, because there's a weird police box in the middle of San Francisco Alley, the police show up, an ambulance shows up, and there's a guy who's been shot, so they take him to 
uh, the hospital. This is when we're introduced to the ambulance driver, the true star of this, <laughs> who you last week is like, oh, you don't know who the villain is? And I'm like, I don't give a shit who the villain is. And I'm I knew glad you- I, and this is why I don't, uh, this is why you live in this spoiler culture, Todd, mm-hmm. that you need to know everything before it happens. Read the script of your favorite uh, Transformers film. So you, so you know how many times Bumblebee says beep boop beep boop in the next edition or whatever the hell. Because if I knew this ahead of time, not that you tell from looking at the cover, the box art of these things, because everyone's like so poorly photoshopped and like I don't even know. But Eric Roberts is the ambulance driver. Yes. A delight. Anytime Eric Roberts shows up in anything, I have a smile on my face. Because when this is all over, I'm going to have a question about Eric Roberts. But go ahead. All right. So they bring him to the hospital, and then they call this woman, Grace Holloway, who's at an opera or something. Right. Who is apparently a fantastic doctor, because no one at the hospital can believe that they found a man that has two hearts, Todd. Todd. This man has two hearts. Maybe it's an overexposure on the x-ray. I don't know, Todd. Maybe he really has two hearts. Todd, he has two fucking hearts. Yep, heart to heart. We're we're not even 20 minutes in the episode, and they've beaten us over the head with this as well. Right. It's almost as though this was made for stupid people. Okay. All right. So, uh, Grace shows up at the hospital and she's in such a hurry that she doesn't take off the dress that she's wearing that her cleavage is just pouring out of. They just put mm-hmm. scrubs on over her mm-hmm. and then she attempts to perform the surgery. With nimble fingers in that, in that bustier. Exactly. Um, so while this is going on, the CGI jizz of the master is following the doctor. Because as we were informed earlier, the doctor, uh, you know, every time Lord has 13 lives, this is going to be the end of one of his. Um, the master has used up all of his lives, so obviously he's trying to take the, the doctor's body, and that's why the CGI jizz is following him, right? Right. So, um, and again, we just see this goop, this jizz all over the place. <laughs> and uh, so... Follows him to the hospital, it's in the ambulance. Uh, Grace goes to perform the surgery on him. He's trying to fight, he's trying to tell her not to do it. He's saying, Don't put me under. But like it's like, oh, this man is delirious. He has two hearts. And and they're like, No, he can't have two hearts. And then they all have a good laugh. And when she says, Not unless he's a donkey. Todd, do donkeys have two hearts? I think so. I think that's a little known fact about uh, two hearted donkeys. I want to I wanted to save this for the show. Do mm-hmm. donkeys <laughs> have two hearts? <laughs> the first thing that comes up is stop watching Doctor Who. <laughs> no, actually, a bunch of shit about uh, Minecraft comes up. Mm-hmm. Nothing about a donkey having two hearts. Maybe they just mean he's donkeys have heart that it's so big. They're full of heart that maybe it's almost as big as two hearts. Right. I don't know. So he dies on the operating table, and they send him off to the morgue. While this is going on, in a scene liberally ripped from Friday the 13th, Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell, the CGI jizz turns into a snake Mm -hmm. and jumps down the throat of Eric Roberts, effectively becoming, the, the master becoming Eric Roberts, 
effectively from this point on, I'm calling the Master Eric Roberts. Okay. Okay. Now, while we're in the morgue, we're introduced to some of the orderlies that are tasked with uh, handling the body of the deceased doctor. Now, Todd, I know a lot of times you put yourself through the living hell of watching these before you give them to me. Mm-hmm. Did you watch this recently? Yes, and you're you're probably talking about Pete the Orderly. Pete the Orderly, who is maybe one of the p- most piss-poor actors <laughs> I've ever seen in anything in my entire life. Every single one of his line reads are, like, weird and stilted, and, he, and like, sometimes they're, like, in a higher register for some reason, and he's, like, performing it, like... He's, like, performing in a play, like he's acting to the back of the audience or something. And I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, I know who this is, I know who this is. So I look it up, and it's comedian and professional wrestling fan, Will Sasso. I know, fantastic. Who would later go on, as dressed like Curly of the Three Stooges, get beaten up by Kane on an episode of Monday Night Raw. So That's right, and have his own show about being a wrestler with Nikki Cox. Now see, that I didn't know. Yes. Was that on, like, UPN or some other fake yes, network? Yes, it was the Nick Nick Hawk show where she was a she wanted to be a showgirl mm-hmm. and Will Sasso wanted to be a wrestler, so they were both in Vegas trying to make both of those things happen. Fantastic. That's our, that's our thing next year is we're going to review the Nikki Cox show. I thought we are going to – well, I thought we are just her entire <laughs> viewer. We're going to, like, watch uh, Unhappily Ever After. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as there's nothing that has Jay Moore in it, I'm okay. Her ex-husband, because Ugh. men who make her laugh turn her on. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, aren't you supposed to say, then, why did she marry Jay Moore? I was going to say, maybe she has the worst sense of humor in the world. What? Or maybe she doesn't have ears. Maybe this was after a horrible accident <laughs> where she lost her ears. It could have been. Right. They got ripped off in the ropes. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, so, uh, Will Sasso, terrible actor in this. I'm glad he got much better. Um, again, while they're... Uh, they're they're just like they're kind of waiting, and while the doctor is going through his regeneration, they're watching Frankenstein with you Bride know of Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein, and a lot of what they're watching is mirroring what's going on inside the freezer. To really hammer this point home that he's coming back to life, Todd, it's almost as though this was a show made for dummies. Mm-hmm. Almost. So, uh, he comes out, he's a different guy, he's wrapped up in the sheet, Will Sasso has a horribly bad comedic pratfall that he sells, like, oh my god, this guy came back to life. So now, the doctor is all discombobulated, which was odd to me, because I think the one other regeneration that we saw, he wasn't all confused like this. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, I think this might have been kind of for the viewer at home, so we can kind of, like, take this journey along with him as he rediscovers who he is with the regeneration. Right. It's weird, because a lot of the regenerations, they they were wonky for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, from they really are. And then this one was extra wonky, he said, because he has a line in the movie where he goes, the, uh, the, the regeneration happened while I was under... Anest- like an anesthesia in my body and it's affected me and that's why he kept having extra trouble f- remembering who he was okay and they because he even says he's like i don't he's like when it was all over or something he's like yeah we had the the anesthetic just messed me up and that's why he was like who am i and he was figuring it out slowly almost like it was made for stupid people almost so mm-hmm. 
Um, while pos- now he's possessed, Eric Roberts is the master. Eric Roberts now is like the ultimate hammy villain. I'm so sad <laughs> that he shows up this late in the thing. Sometimes <laughs> he's got CGI uh, green eyes. Sometimes they're contacts put in. But to cover it up, he wears like a giant leather duster that's about six sizes too big and puts on sunglasses. And I'm starting to get like a Corinthian from Sandman vibe from him a little bit with the sunglasses <laughs> and the funky eyes. And like, they, they didn't really go too far with like, uh, like a bit of his like fingernail is falling off. Cause I guess the master is not used to being in such a lame human body. Yes. Cause he has a line where he says, uh, that the body's disintegrating. And it won't last long, and that's why he needs the doctor's body. Right. Uh, so he, Which he said, but anyway, go ahead. I'm no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Ahead. Which I was going to say, he lies to somebody later saying that that was his body and the doctor stole it. Right. And the master's sneaky like that. Right. This is where he co-ops that young Asian boy who mm-hmm. stole the doctor's belongings. And there's the scene where the doctor is, like, discovering the stuff inside of the, the locker while the young Asian boy is going through the bag. And there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of different, like, things going on. Like, when the Doctor's reborn, so is the Master, is Eric Roberts. It's beautiful. It's a, There's a duality to this movie. Right. It's almost like poetry, so it rhymes. Mm-hmm. So George Lucas stole the, 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 the theory for the prequels from this. No wonder they're so bad. Anyway. Wow. So, the Master goes to the TARDIS, which is where the kid is. Eric Roberts, my apologies. I, I have to show him his proper <laughs> respect. Eric Roberts. Um, and he feeds the kid a line of bullshit, as mentioned, that the doctor's the one who's evil. He's the one who's good. Uh, in previous lives, the doctor's been like Genghis Khan and all this other shit. And, of course, the kid believes it. The guy who he saw earlier as just a lowly ambulance driver is now this weird creep who's feeding him all this fantastical bullshit, and he just buys it hook, line, and sinker. While he's standing in the giant police box that's right. you know has this interdimensional thing, and he hands him giant bags of gold. Right, so exactly. So I'm going to go with he just wants the gold, and something's up here. Sure. But uh, Go so, ahead. So he has the young boy open up the Eye of Harmony, right? Mm-hmm. Where, which is, I guess, something inside of the, the, the TARDIS... Is the Eye of Harmony well, something that's come up before? Yes, but this is where the fans... One of the reasons the fans went crazy about this movie All right, is because originally the Eye of Harmony was on... was was at Gallifrey, and it's the it's the thing that powers time travel. Mm-hmm. They, they supernovaed a, a, a star near a black hole, and it... Comp- like powers itself and that's the eye of harmony and all that is shunted off to the TARDISes to power them. So now it's inside the TARDIS and people are like, this isn't continuity. Whoever made this didn't know. There's a lot of like, like this is the the movie that like fans went nuts on when it came out in 96. Right. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. So the doctor feels this presence uh, he gets Grace to come along with him. She still doesn't kind of buy it. She thinks he's nuts. Uh, he says that they need to find an atomic clock so he can get the beryllium from it mm-hmm. to use it to fix the TARDIS, right? And it right. just so happens that at the local art museum, they're having a thing to count down to the year 2000 with an atomic clock 
and she just happens to be on the board of trustees for this, so they'll easily be able to get in there, Todd. Right. A lot of conveniences for this plot to move along. Almost as Could though I... this was a show for dummies. Could I just say one thing about this now, or do you want me to go wait? for it? About the, the... I always felt that this was a show that was supposed to be picked up. That, like, you know, it wasn't just a movie. We'll get into and, that a little bit later if you want. Right. And, okay. And there was the, that I have in my head mm-hmm. the reason for these conveniences. Okay. Do you want me to explain it now? Or sure. Okay. I was going to ask always, about it anyway. All right. Because I always felt like, do you remember he tells her, he's like, you had a dream that you could, you could, you, you could fix the world. Stop and, death. You could stop death. Yes. And she's, and she looks at him like, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. And then later on, he meets the kid, the young kid, and he's like, uh, answer the, right, answer, answer this the second qu- question, not the third question. Right. And then all of a sudden, while they're on their way somewhere, there's a crash truck with chickens. Right. And there's all these little things. And I always felt that because it was a, a time travel show, that all these things were going to be interwoven. Like, he was going to do things in other episodes that you would find out would cause these things. Do you know what I'm, I'm trying to I say? Do. I do. Because and, and, he's freewheeling with, like, I'll tell people randomly things about, like, I'll give them hints about their future, but I won't give them to you. Right. Or it's minor things that won't, like he's helping them where he can. You know what I mean? And I really do feel like, yeah, it's it's stupid. But in if this had gotten picked up in the long haul, that they had a plan. Because what I remember reading was they had a, a Bible for the show, as they call it, the show Bible. And they were going to do certain things. And I don't know if you want to talk about it an hour later, why it all fell through. I well, kind of we'll, know. But, we'll get to the right. why it fell through later. Okay, but I agree with you that this definitely felt like not a movie, but a pilot for what would hopefully have been the new series and multiple episodes, and like we're establishing all these characters and all these relationships. And the reason I keep saying that it's a show for dummies that this is a show that's been off the year the air for seven years. Mm-hmm. At this point, this was pre-internet. It's not like the episode, the previous episodes of the Doctor were very easy to find. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they were all out on VHS or DVD. I, I would assume that like not only were most of them not available, if at all, that they were tough to find and expensive and expensive. So the whole like shipping them over here and all that, you know what I mean? Right. So again, I keep saying that it's a show for dummies in a way that they're doing things in a very stupid way, and knowing kind of what I know. T- um, a little bit about the the future Doctors, and obviously what I've seen from the past Doctors, where the show started out essentially as a, a show for children, and then kind of matured over the years, grew with the children, became more of, less of a show for babies, and more of an actual sci-fi show. Now it's off the air for seven years, and they felt as though we need to reestablish everything. But we can't give them everything all at once, we need to spoon-feed it to them. Because there's probably tons of people that have never seen Doctor Who, or if they have, it's been seven years since they've seen it. Right. Plus, it was a joint venture between Fox and BBC. Okay. Because it was on Fox, and Fox footed half the bill Mm -hmm. for it. And over in England, they still run, like, like on the other BBC networks, they would run old episodes that they hadn't jumped. So every, over there, everything was fine. Like, you could watch Doctor Who 
reruns, like, uh, on, like, one of the deeper, like, you know, BBC The Ocho, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, so that, that's, so, but when we came over here, like you said, it was a smaller thing. It was, it was big in the late 80s or early 80s when the Tom Baker era was that it came over here. And then it went away and Fox was like, oh, well, we have these big ideas to reboot shows. We have to do it. So a lot of it was the Americanizing, like the American people messing with it. You know what I mean? Like right. that's that, that's a big thing that you always heard from the inside. It was like Fox going, no, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. Where over in England they showed it too, and they're like, we don't need to do any of this. Because it, it's ingrained in the mythology. Right. Doctor Who was an institution. Right. Al joking aside, it right. is over there. And again, I mean? listen, I'm... There's there's a time for jokes and there's a time for seriousness. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Who is always a time for seriousness. Oh boy! But that's why I, I'm thinking that it takes place in the United States. He's mm-hmm. the only British person, which they really hammer home a little bit. Now, the other thing that I was trying to figure out is, of course, with this being essentially, uh, hopefully, a pilot instead of just a movie, the third act of this completely betrays the previous two acts of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So, Grace doesn't believe, doesn't believe. Um, there's the part where he's trying to explain it all to her. The Eye of Harmony gets opened up, and now Eric Roberts can see whatever the Doctor sees because the Eye of Harmony is open. The Doctor understands this. He convinces Grace to go along. And Grace now, instead of being skeptical, even though he's kind of been feeding her this line, she doesn't have, to me, a real moment where her character changes to the point where she hops on the back of a motorcycle with him for a high-speed chase. Mm-hmm. And while they're on the high-speed chase, she says, I finally meet the man in my dreams, and he's from another planet. And I'm like, right. that's, like, out of character. There was, like, no scene prior to that that would necessitate for her to say that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, now it's... Compl- like, you mentioned there's the truck that tips over with the chickens on it. There's the scene where he... Uh, gets the gun off of the cop, and then there's the other scene where he gets the badge so they can get to the atomic clock, that they're establishing, like, the doctor is good at, like, deception, or, like, like uh, pickpocketery. Slide a hand. He learned from Houdini. Right, right, sure, mm-hmm. he learned from Houdini. And he, mm-hmm. and he had sex with Amelia Earhart or something, right? Because he knew her intimately. Right. Is that who he says that he knew intimately? I forget who he said he knew. It. Uh, no, Madame Curie. Madame Curie, okay. So then, uh, which, by the way, I, while you're touching on that, yes, we're gonna go on to the next thing. The, you know how I said people were mad about the Eye of Harmony? Yes. You find he kisses Grace, right? And the if there was an internet, or the dirt sheets blew up over that because up till that point he kisses her that, twice in this, right? Yes, that it's. It's an innocent thing. The show's like his. He has a love for all his companions, but it's never sexual in any way. And when that happened, that would have broken the internet in half if it was around at the time. That's one of the three things that's still held up, and that that just gets worse. That just gets worse in the modern era of Doctor Who, like for women falling for him, mm-hmm. and he falls for a couple, and it, it just after that point, and that's one of the points that you know if I. I went down the rabbit hole of like, you know, uh, forums and stuff online, which I don't, which is why I don't know a lot of Doctor Who stuff behind the scenes, because I don't want to know the fandom. Like, but I know that happened. That's one of the three big 
things that just 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 blew everything up and they even make a joke about it later in the 50th anniversary special where john hurt's doctor sees somebody kiss uh the doctor and he's like does this happen a lot and he's like now it seems to like after you yeah he's like this happens a lot and i was like oh that's a nice little you know in joke to all the the shit that's been going on so but go ahead so it's with the cop and it's with uh, another part where the doctor has his jelly babies on him Oh, it's the, the Jelly Babies make a few appearances. Right, and again, they there's like three or four scenes of the Jelly Babies, and every mm-hmm. time that they're they're first, either <laughs> the doctor takes them out or he gives them to someone else, they always smell them first. Sure, because you want a Jelly Baby smell delightful. Right, and having eaten one in my entire life, never again, I should have smelled mine first and threw it away. <laughs> or you would have had ten more. Right. So they have the high-speed chase and the stolen motorcycle cop bike. Uh, they get to the TARDIS. Uh, he has the extra key on top. They get the key. Uh, they open up the door. And then in the shittiest out-of-place scene of all <laughs> shitty out-of-place scenes... The cop on the motorcycle. Another cop comes, driving at them. And in the shittiest 80-yard line, he says... I've got no brakes! And he drives <laughs> into the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And then we hear him, like, we hear him go out, because the TARDIS is bigger on the inside. Mm-hmm. And then we hear him come back like he turned around inside. Right. Like, I don't know how he wouldn't have crashed into something. Or there like, was a the lot other, of room in that TARDIS. Or the other set ahead. of doors, or the steps that they've established when they walk into the TARDIS. But he, he... turns around and he comes back out. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Just, just... Great. Embarrassing. If I was a Doctor <laughs> Who fan watching that, I would have been mad. I'm not I, a Doctor Who fan. I watched that. I was mad. I love that bit. That is the best Doctor Who comedy bit ever. Okay. But go ahead. So, uh, now, and again, this might be one of the things where I missed. All of a sudden, while they're inside, Grace is now hypnotized by Eric Roberts. Now, was that from earlier when he spit the acid jizz all over her? Yes. And it just what... took this long to come into place, or it didn't work the hypnosis until they were close? You know what? It's something that's not explained. Right. A, on a common occurrence on Doctor Who occasionally. Okay. So, because now she had the, the hypnotic jizz thrown on her earlier, <laughs> now she's in the presence of Eric Roberts, like many women who've had jizz thrown on them. <laughs> She's now under his spell. They get the drop on the doctor. They put him in, like, the gimmick that uh, Malcolm McDowell or Roddy McDowell or Malcolm McDowell. Was it Roddy McDowell was in uh, Clockwork Orange? Uh, Malcolm McDowell. Okay. so they have Roddy that... McDowell was in Planet of the Apes. Okay. So they have him in that contraption when they're trying to brainwash him. And then, Todd, possibly in the greatest moment in Doctor Who history... Eric Robert comes down the steps in that <laughs> cape. It's, do- a, the- it's a cape that would make Doctor Strange's cape in the most recent movie blush. <laughs> it's the opulence, the ridiculousness of it. I'm sure that Eric Roberts kept that cape. That's a Time Lord outfit. Oh which my goodness. Is close to like what they wore in the old episodes. Big capes with big collars and oh my and funny hats it that is straight up with a bit of touching up the the time lord the regal time lord outfit 
So, they have a battle. It's fine. There's not a lot of combat in it, per se, so we don't have, like, the shitty stage combat that we usually have in an episode of Doctor Who. What uh, shitty stage combat? He, Fantastic. The Doctor convinces Grace to overcome Eric Roberts' jizz. Uh, <laughs> she goes and, like, rewires the, the TARDIS to get it to work. Sure. Because they were doing the thing with the beryllium to get that fixed, but then that's when... Eric Roberts gets the drop on him, and they do, you know, and obviously it's set up right alongside, you know, December 31st, 1999 with a countdown, you know, the 10, 9, 8, 7, whatever. So it's like, oh, she gets it just at the last second, the two moments playing out simultaneously to really hammer the fact home as though this is a show made for stupid people. Mm -hmm. So they do this, they throw, uh, Eric Roberts going to fall into the Eye of Harmony, uh, the doctor offers to save him. Eric Roberts says no. He falls in. They close the Eye of Harmony. Everything's fine. They go back out, but the TARDIS won't work. So what does the doctor do? He Fonzies the TARDIS to make it work again. Which is, which becomes more and more later on because the TARDIS is getting older and more oh. broken down. But that was always the way it was with the TARDIS. Was The TARDIS was always malfunctioning and they would be flicking buttons and banging the the thing. So yeah, it's the it's it literally the Millennium Falcon is stolen from the TARDIS. That's all I'm gonna say. Go ahead. And they stole that from Fonzie. Yeah. So did you yeah. Uh they go back, everything is kind of set right back to the way that it was. Um the young Asian boy he, he gives the young Asian boy uh a, a, a clue to his future saying, Don't be here next year. Go mm-hmm. on a vacation. And again, Something out of context that if this show got picked up for more episodes, I'm sure would have paid off at some point. Right. Uh, Doctor says to Grace, you come with me. She says, no, you stay with me. There's fireworks. They share a kiss. Roll credits. Right. Okay. So, this has been hyped up to me since Gallifrey Bird started. That since this is the only one of these, that this was the only eighth Doctor I would have to see... And it's terrible. Nobody likes it. It's one of the most hated things in the history of Doctor Who. Right. Okay. In a vacuum, in and of itself, it's fine. Mm-hmm. If this was my introduction to Doctor Who, being myself an admitted stupid person, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm following along. I get what's going on here. But now I have all this previous knowledge of Doctor Who stuff coming into this. And I'm just like, oh, man, they're wasting a lot of time really hammering this stuff over everyone's head. You know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I could definitely understand true fans' outrage over this. Uh, But, you know, you got to do what you got to do to kind of establish this sort of stuff. Right. And then the third, I just want to say the third thing that people blew up over, and it was the biggest thing of them all, was we find out that the doctor's half-human. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's why the young Asian boy was able to open the Eye of Harmony, because he's a full human. Now, I guess this was never a thing before and has never been a thing since? Yes and no. It it was never a thing before, but they were trying to, with the Eighth Doctor, to establish why he was so enamored with humans, Mm -hmm. like why he keeps 
like beyond the fact that the TARDIS kind of went where it wants for the early part of the series till he learned how to control it better was like, but he always ended up on earth and he had a love for humans and he just always hung out with humans. And they were trying to establish that the reason was, was because his father fell for a human, you know, woman and he was half human. And that never bothered me. It never, like I never hated it the way other people did, but um, later on, like it's, it's, it's always like hinted at in the new series. Like, is it true? Like, and even one of the storylines of one of the later, the 12th doctor was like the hybrid. And they're like, there's a rumor that you're half human. And he's like, ah, that's ridiculous. Like, and then like, there's a, a one-off line earlier in the season. They're like, are you half human? And he's like, I once told that lie to somebody to stop a, you know, a master criminal. And it was like, Oh, is, did he say that to do, to, but he's the, the doctor's like, so like wacky sometimes that you never know if he's joking or telling the truth. Cause he's done that with other things. So it's brought up again, but it's never confirmed or denied. So I just, I always found that amusing, but with this one, I like this. And I was, when I watched it in 96, I hadn't seen doctor who for years and I was really put for this and I watched it and I wish it would have been made into a series at the time. But then years later, seeing the new, the new doctor who brought back by Russell T Davies. I love that. So to get where we were, we had to get that. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, so uh, it's fine with me. It's not the worst thing, but it's not the best. And Eric Roberts is pretty damn sweet as the match. Oh, my goodness. So, the one thing that I'm saddest that this didn't get turned into a series Mm -hmm. is that we could have had the Master coming back as other Eric Roberts-like people from this era. Imagine a run where Eric Roberts was like Tom Sizemore or Clint Howard or like that ilk of actor during this course of time, right? How amazing would that have been? It would have been fantastic. Him just jumping from body to body as they burn out. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic. Now, I have one last question, and it's about Eric Roberts again. All right. Eric Roberts as the master or the evil Aztec god guy Hmm. from the first Doctor story? Which one is better? I give the nod to the evil Aztec guy. He kind of set a bar that all the other people had to, like, raise up to. And right. while Eric Roberts gets points for being Eric Roberts, <laughs> that actor who played the evil Aztec guy is a nobody. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he could have been anyone or anything. I had no preconceived notions. As soon as I see Eric Roberts show up, I go, oh, you're in for a treat. Right. You had no idea you were in for an Aztecian treat. Right. Exactly. It was a mm-hmm. it was a pleasant surprise, whereas Eric Roberts himself is the pleasant surprise. Okay, and everything else is Eric Roberts gravy after that. Right, exactly. Okay. Or, or in this instance, CGI jizz. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Call it what you will. Mm-hmm. It, now I I know Eric Roberts is still doing things today. I know you're shocked by that. <laughs> right. Most of them are directed DVD. Mm-hmm. Or possibly, like, you know, streaming on, like, USA or something. If he was doing the press junket for this, and we had an opportunity to interview him, I would only ask him about his time as the master. Nothing oh. nothing before, nothing after. You know, I was in the film Star 80. Yeah, 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 yeah. But listen, when they did the CGI snake of jizz going down your throat, <laughs> what, what was your motivation? 
<laughs> well, let me tell you a story about the 70s. Oh, boy. All right. Well, actually, for actually for Eric Roberts, it was most of the 80s. Right. Which is why he was making such poor decisions of being in Doctor Who Fox films. What? Fox. Uh, so, again, my review of this is uh, an enjoyable romp, bit uneven, a little beating you too much over the head. But if you've never seen any Doctor Who before and you want a primer of Doctor Who stuff, uh, you could do worse mm-hmm. than the uh, eighth Doctor movie. Okay. Right. So now so it's guess... time for the main event. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I was going to say, so now we're done, right? Nope. Oh, whoa. Oh, damn. We've got at I least another we... seven hours to go. <laughs> and that's with WrestleMania X7. Because that's what it was on the, the DVD that you gave me. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, WrestleMania 17. It was X7. Right. So the showcase of the immorals. <laughs> Right. That's most of the people behind the scenes. Right. So the first thing I notice when this starts playing is that if you're a real, now I guess as if you're a real wrestling fan, right. The first thing you would know is classy Freddie Vlasic is talking. How dare you? Right. But that's not what I notice. I don't give a shit about what Freddie is saying. Oh my goodness. What I'm watching is all the places that apparently are getting WrestleMania X7. Oh, all around the world. Yes. Right. Oh, no, not just all around the world. Let me run down the list of places that got at WrestleMania X7. A trumpeter in a barn. Right. Some Ty- some Tibetan monks on the radio. Apparently X7 was was broadcast on the fucking radio. Possibly through w- Radio WWF, but yes. Right. A horse farm with a lovely couple had it. I I think Terry Funk's shitty ranch. I don't know. Somebody was throwing hot email. Shitty ranch. On a portable TV in Japan? Question mark. Okay. Question mark fish market? I'm not 100% sure. A TV repair shop with two two geeky looking kids hanging outside. The typical a audience bar- of wrestling, sure. <laughs> right. A barber shop, not the one Marty Generic tried to escape from. Right. He tried to run away. Right. Yet another barn, the back seat of a, an abandoned car with two teenagers who probably ended up with, you know, a young pregnancy and a clown, for some fucking reason, a clown's trailer. Right. Just, I'm like, I don't know. He's talking about superstars and Liberace and Muhammad Ali. I don't know. That was what was on the screen in between these great moments. Of people who were getting WrestleMania X7 showcase of the Immorals, I I was blown away. I, I was I was like couldn't stop laughing. It was fantastic. So I really don't know much about what he said, but he did sound old at the time. So, but uh, so then you know that the the pay per view starts, and I'm guessing it's a uh, Jr. screaming. It's the granddaddy of them all, right? Which what I was hoping would be beaten over my head in the tradition of like modern WrestleManias, like the, the ultimate thrill ride. I was hoping the granddaddy of them all would have been a thousand times. Did they say the- showcase of a more of the immortals? Yes, they okay. did early on, okay. but, but that, I don't think they drove that home. So I guess it was showcase of the immortals, but I prefer the granddaddy of them all. Mm-hmm. And at this point, uh, uh, my way by Limp Biscuit starts playing, and I forgot how much I loved Limp Biscuit. Oh my goodness, that's this is going to be the best song on the whole pay per view at this point in my mind. Uh-oh. It's not going to get any better. Uh oh, right? 
right? So, so then they start showing all the stuff, like, you know, the people, 60,000. Where was it in Houston? I know it was Texas. Right. It was the Houston, uh, Astrodome, maybe? Right. Cause we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna talk about how Texas gets buried throughout this, this thing. Right. Um, but, uh, and then they cut to UWF, uh, New York. Mm-hmm. Is that still a thing? No. What? Oh, that should still be a thing. No. I was, I forgot about that because I always wanted to go watch like a pay and go eat there because I imagine it was, it was very affordable to get a hamburger. Hey, it was your standard. It was what you would expect from a chain esque restaurant in Times Square. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So. So now I find out that, you know, I'm like, because now I hear JR. I know it's JR announcing uh, oh. uh, uh, announcing the thing, right? Hey, Todd, so don't I, say it'll do nothing for you. What? Go ahead. Right. So I'm like, oh, it's JR. I'm like, well, who's going to be with him? And then Polly Dangerously? Yes. I'm like, okay, business is picking up. So I have to admit, Polly was really good through all this. Um, I'm just going to get get, like, through him announcing really sure. quick because there's not anything that blows me away except for a couple of things that I'll that I'll hit on but him doing the classic stuff that I that I kind of like love and he kind to ape somebody that I like with his uh he's like yeah like that was a really good point don't you think JR and he's like he's like he's like yes uh Polly that was a really great point and he's like you're welcome <laughs> JR and I'm like just so Healy. It's fantastic. Um, I loved it. So uh, that, it was really good to see Polly and the fact that Polly and JR, as time would go on, would uh, just would amp up by the end of this pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it's, you know, as you start the show, you call the matches in a certain way. And as, they, as you get to the bigger and bigger matches, you know, you kind of turn it up, turn it up, turn it up a little bit more. Sure, sure. Right. So at this point, you know, but I understand where we're going. So the first match, uh, starts, or not starts, but we get the little, uh, what do you want to call it? Like how, how we got here. And it's all about, it's, it's all about, uh, Jericho versus William Regal. So I, I'm, I'm happy about the, like the, the little promo that they shoot. Uh, just like at one point they show Regal's eye. I don't know what happened, but it looked nasty. Right. Um, just that there's a, uh, uh, that Y2J peed in his tea, which is like, like the ultimate insult to a Brit, Joe. And then That's they show the tea. thing of, do they show the thing of Regal Brain selling it? Yeah, oh yeah. She's like, what is this? He, <laughs> he really like, sells the pee. Right. So terrible. I'll then at you. one, one, then one point, uh, Y2J attacks him as doink. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic, right? Then the fact that this is where it, this is where it goes over the top, where Y2J breaks uh, William Regal's. What I'm guessing, because I don't get a good look at him, what I'm guessing is his framed autograph photo of the Fourth Doctor. <laughs> I think it might have been of the Queen, but okay. The Fourth Doctor. That's what I'm the a Tom Baker autograph, but that's just that's too much, right? So uh, as this. This is going on, like, you know, like, uh, the match starts and down comes Jericho in his sparkly jacket. Sure. I was like, uh oh, 
gimmick infringement. I know this might have been a little before the Stanster. Right. But I was, I was, one, it made me happy and it made me sad all at the same time. Okay. You know what I mean? Because anytime I see sparkly jackets, I get sad and happy. It's just a thing. So out comes, you know, Steven Regal. He comes out. Now I'm upset about this again because there's no, there's no British Mr. Fuji with him. Oh. I'm waiting for British Mr. Fuji, but he didn't show up. So obviously, in this match, Regal's the face once again. Because what? one, he's he's British. Two, Y2J busted up his tea and his picture of Doctor Who. So, like, obviously Y2J's the, the heel in this. So I, I was I was just so sad when Jericho won the the Intercontinental Belt thing. I was like, it should have been it should have been Regal. Regal's the best. Brit Brit forever. You know what I'm saying, John? Sure. But you know it was a it was an all right match. I'm not I, I'm not big on you know British people getting beat. So then at this point, the WCW one uh, limo shows up, and I, I now I remember this pay per view. I just want to say I watched this pay per view. I remember okay. watching this. Pay-per-view. Okay, but I don't remember a lot about it. You mm. know what I'm saying? I have a vague Good. recollection of this pay per view. Good. So. Uh, WCW. So I was like, at this point, I was like, Shane. They mentioned Shane bought WCW, right? And, and I didn't re- remember that, which they'll 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 play on later. You know what I mean? Correct. But uh, so I found that interesting. I was like, oh, okay, Shane bought WCW. Like, I'm sure I'll find out m- more about this. So now, while this is going on, they cut to what I remember as one of the greatest gimmicks of all time. Right. The the Acolyte Protection Agency office door. Yes. There's nothing better. The only thing that I was hoping that this had uh, was that uh, I got a Farouk Dam in this. Okay. But I didn't because I thought this might have been the one. My favorite Farouk moment of all time is when somebody wants to pay off the Acolyte, you know, protection agency, and they're like, well, you know, we take money and blah, 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 and they're like, we don't have any money. Then he's like, we don't want what, what, what you're peddling. Get out of here. And they turn around, and they're like, well, we have this, and obviously they stole from the concession stand, like, pallets of beer. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there's there's Farouk just smoking the cigar, and he goes, damn. <laughs> like, that's the best. Great Farouk impression, by the way. Better than anything Jay Moore could do. Well, listen, just so, by you speaking like a human, you're doing better than he is. <laughs> right, so that wasn't in it. But I forgot Jackie was with APA at one right. point. So that kind of threw me off. I was like, wait a minute, who is she? Because I didn't remember all the, the divas back then, you know what I mean? Um, right. They were like, oh, it's Jackie. And I'm like, okay. And then the thing I love is Bradshaw proceeds to go through. He's like, why are you, why are you so nervous? You know, Bradshaw. And he's like, he's like, well, we're in Texas. You know, this is the place where, and he goes down the list of like sports stars and moments. But my favorite thing that he said he did, and I don't understand any of it. All right. Is that this is the very arena where I watched Bob Phillips not wear his cowboy hat because a gentleman doesn't wear a cowboy hat indoors. <laughs> I don't know, I don't what, know that what that either. means. Right. I don't know what that means. I just love the fact that uh, Bradshaw is talking about cowboy hats. Right. I'm 100. Uh, but he mentions everything 
he, he it's a big raw raw speech about Texas. Right, and it's the only really raw raw Texas speech we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody else just buries Texas, like Paulie Heyman talking about like, oh, it's it's fantastic. And I, I don't know if you know this, Joe. The Texans are really proud of their state. A little bit. So I find it amusing anytime they they bury. So now, this match is the APA versus uh, the Godfather, the Good Father. I'm sorry, right? Val Venus and uh, Bull Buchanan with Stephen Richards, which I vaguely remember. Stephen Richards was he Doctor Death? No, you're thinking no. of oh. Steve Williams. Okay, so uh, what was Stephen Richards' like thing besides he was the... Raven's flunky? Okay, was there anything else he ever did? Yeah, he did like then he did like a gimmick where like he dressed up as like other guys that he was teaming with. Um, Stephen Richards was in WWE for a very long time. Okay, okay, and uh, and uh, I forgot uh, the the uh, APA was teamed with Taz, who made me sad when he didn't come out with his shredded towel on his head. Right. I was like, oh, and I did the suplex count, and I'm pretty sure he only did one, so he was not the suplex the the suplex machine uh, again. So I, the thing that I remember most about this match is that uh, let's go back to uh, Alfonso from the uh, ECW days. Bill Alfonso, sure. He had the whistle that was really annoying. Right. I forgot. Got how annoying the right to censors intro was. Right, right. With that blaring, like just grating fucking noise, Joe. <laughs> I'm watching this going. I like. I remember the the right to censor gimmick, and I'm like, it's just going on, and they're walking down that ramp, and it's still going, and it's louder than anything that's going on in the in the stadium. And I'm like, I hate them. I hate right to censor. I hate, this noise is actually driving me nuts. I cannot stand it. Just, oh, just, it, 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 it killed me. So, uh, just, uh, in the match, uh, we noticed that, uh, one thing that I noticed was that the, that Bull Buchanan was an agile wrestler, because he does this move where he runs up the rope and does up the ropes and he does a flip. And JR was like, yeah, he's a, He's a he's a very agile for a big guy that hoss out there. So a, even after the mentioning like the the intro with the screeching, Jr. mentions a hoss that he's a hoss. So I hate him. Oh. I just uh, hosses. Come on, uh, you you with the hosses, and I see hosses on Twitter, hoss this and hoss that. I don't need that. Crap. So uh, I don't know if Taz has a gimmick where he stumbles when anybody Irish whips him. But he does it two or three times in this match. And it almost looks like he gets his head taken off on the ropes. Uh, well, he is a good, like, foot shorter than every other person in this match. Okay, because it kind of, it kind of, uh, it, it, it I just found it amusing. He did it, like, two or three times, and I was like, did he stumble, or is that a thing that he does? Do you know what I mean? Like, because you never know with some of this stuff. Right. At this point, Paulie Heyman's burying the Alamo. He's like... You know, fighting that guy is like an out, Al- like the Alamo, and and Paulie's like, yeah, if the Alamo had a back door, they all would have left early and and everything. I'm like, oh boy, disrespecting the Alamo. That went well for Ozzy Osbourne. It should go good for you, Paulie. 
So uh, then the, the one thing that was one of my favorite things at the time happens, and there is nothing more devastating in the history of wrestling than the hot tag to Bradshaw. Right. It's it's a beautiful thing to behold because I think I once saw an interview with another wrestler. It doesn't matter who it was, was that they were 90% sure at the time Bradshaw didn't know wrestling was fake. Sure. So he would just beat people up and, uh, and then at some point, like the way he throws that lariat, the, 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 the clothesline from hell. The clothesline from hell. The clothesline from hell reminds him of part Dick Murdoch and port, part fourth member of the Hanson family, Stan Hanson? I don't know. That's, that's like I said. So, uh, and then, Bradshaw does reverse slam, which I always remembered was one of the most beautiful sights to behold in a wrestling match. Because it that always looked painful, too. It didn't look like he was throwing them with any regard to their safety or or anything. So, uh, like I said, in the clothesline from hell, the way he throws it is just like... It, it's like you don't have to sell a Bradshaw clothesline from hell because it will sell itself, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So he throws it, and uh, just basically the APA and Taz wins thanks to the clothesline from Hell from Bradshaw. So I'm 100% fine with that match. Got to see my my buddy's APA. Uh, at this point, there's an ad for WrestleMania X7, the magazine. I, I want one now, and if you ever bring one to a show I'm at, I'll sign it because we did the Gallifrey Birds. Right. Now this show is as much Taz as it is the people actually competed in it. Right, if not more. Right. If not more. Like, I'm going to go down with the uh, Immortals because of this Galfrey Birds. Um, it's at this point that uh, Linda is wheeled in in a, in a wheelchair. In her catatonic state, sure. Right. Her, uh, as there's a story from my family that you either say it cosmatose or comatode. <laughs> Doesn't matter which. Um, so she's, she's, she's comatose. In the wheelchair and step and I for Stephanie looking like um, I don't know like she's not as top heavy as she is at later in her career like she would be later this very summer oh is that when it happened yes. I don't know yes all right so so Trish is wheeling around Linda and I and I forgot all about like the, like I understand nothing that's going on here until later like so we'll get right. to it then but uh so I'm like oh my god like what's with Linda I forgot I'm like but Trish is wheeling around and Stephanie has the the evil the black evil Knievel jumpsuit on with daddy's little girl on the back I'm like okay but now I fr- like out of the McMahons, it's like Vince is number one, like heel. Like right. Vince is number one heel. But even at this early stage of the game, how heel, like how much she learned from her old man. Oh, yeah. Like, like just, just like, oh, like Trish, like after daddy beats the hell out of Shane, you know, tonight in the street fight match, you're going to have everything ready, right? And, you know, like have her wheel down at the right moment and Everything's like, yes. And then when we get back, would you have the drinks ready for our celebration? And if you could, could you crush some ice? Now, could you crush that by hand? Like, get the the thing and smash it really small. Because I want crush. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is, like, so great. That is so great. I'm like, I forgot. Like, I thought maybe 
you know, it hadn't been a while. She grew into it, but it's like just natural. Like I, oh, I, like I don't even know if it's mostly she's mostly bitch in real life, but she's got it down as Stephanie McMahon, the the character. I absolutely, I just like just to her with the ice. I I just found that fantastic. Um, so, and I also, this is at the point that I find out that Shane and Vince are in a street fight, which is something that, uh, I vaguely remember. So then now we get the word that there's going to be a triple threat match for the hardcore championship. Right. And these are the contestants, uh, the, the giant, I'm a giant, the big show, Kane, and sad Scotty Flamingo. <laughs> um, I don't like Raven because he's not Scotty Flamingo. How dare I, you? I'll, I'll stand. Hey, I like my I like my Scotty Flamingos happy. Okay. The only thing that makes me kind of root for him, and it takes me a while to figure out what shirt it is, but it's a pretty sweet Deathstroke the Terminator shirt. Right. That he that he's rocking in this because I remember. Uh, sad Scotty Flamingo would rock uh, comic book T-shirts, right? Like Sandman, Swamp Thing, as you say right. here. Yeah, right. Good, like legitimate good stuff. Yeah, like he's not wearing like a Liefeld cable shirt. You know what I mean? Or a, a Liefeld Captain America. Right, shirt. and you have to remember as well as both a wrestling fan and a comic book fan in 2001, oh, it's right. not like you could just go down to your local Hot Topic and get a Deathstroke T-shirt because it's all the rage. Like, right, Raven you was go to, working to get these shirts. Right, you had to go to a comic shop. Oh, my them. goodness. Oh, the thought of it. <laughs> the sawdust on the on the floor. Oh. But, uh, so, yeah, so I found that amusing. And the thing that made me genuinely sad is that he destroyed those old comic book shirts. Right. Like, because, like, as a collector, I, I, I would like to have some of those old comic shirts just to have them. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's got them with the torn sleeves. <laughs> and I'm like, and... You know, maybe getting some blood or something on them. Right. And uh, so, so you know, this match. And right off the bat, you have uh, Sad Scotty Flamingo throwing stuff in the ring for a hardcore match. And I was like, yeah, I miss WWF hardcore matches. I don't know about, you know, the ECW stuff or all that. But the whole hardcore belt at the time was another one of my favorite things. False count anywhere. You know, the thing could change hands at any time. Obviously, that wasn't in effect going on right now, but it, but it, but it reminded me of it. Uh, so the big show comes out, and he looks so young in that. <laughs> so young. I mean, he he's not quite the spitting image of his father, Andre, but it's close. <laughs> right? Oh, but my like, goodness. Oh, my God. He doesn't have – he looks pretty good. And now, was this him just getting started – in the WWF? Uh, he had actually been in the WWF for about two years at this point. Oh, okay. Because, I don't know, it just seemed like he was getting his push. Well, this, and he I didn't came know. in with a hot push. Mm-hmm. And then due to attitude and weight issues, he was severely de-pushed and then de-pushed and then having to work his way kind of back up again. And this is one of those working his way back up again sort of times. That's because he, he felt he was entitled to too much because of his daddy. Right. That's why. So uh, much like other second generation superstars ahead, before what? him, right? Exactly. Just like so, uh, this basically is in the ring for all of eight seconds, and then it goes into the crowd uh, 
where you can't see anything for a little bit, but that doesn't bother me. But then they're in the back of the, the arena, which is where a real WWF hardcore match takes place. Right. Um, I like that, uh, Big Show tries to, lo- like, throws, uh, sad Scotty Flamingo in this, like, fenced off area and tries to lock it and, uh, locks the fence. And you're like, oh my God, this is a great, and Polly Heyman's like, this is the best idea ever. Cause now Big Show can't get in there and Big Show, like, accidentally bumps the door and it just opens <laughs> and i'm like okay apparently uh big shows or uh kane's a wizard uh with the fire he's also a magical locksmith so i'm like all right i guess that didn't work out and then nothing else would go wrong in this match at all after this oh I guess. boy probably smooth sailing right so i like that they're fighting down the hallway and they come to this completely structurally sound office that's in the middle of nowhere. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and they throw sad Scotty Flamingo through the, like, window, and he disappears for a bit. And then Big Show and Kane start fighting through. I mean, the power is amazing that they have because they're fighting through doors and walls of completely secure walls. I'm like... The strength that they're showing off, they're, they're giants, they're monsters. A giant versus a monster, literally. So they go through two walls, and they end up back with uh, sad Scotty Flamingo, who's now got his beautiful Deathstroke Determinator shirt covered in blood, <laughs> because I think he might have landed on some glass wrong. But uh, So they fight for a little bit, but then sad Scotty Flamingo jumps in a golf cart, <laughs> and... Uh, the big show gets on the back and starts, you know, choking him. And they go around the corner and, uh-oh, they go into a ditch. And sad Scotty Flamingo's trying to pull the, 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 the golf cart out of the ditch while we see Kane running to the second golf cart and jumping in it and starting it up. And he's going to chase them, comes flying around the corner. And there's uh, the two of them fighting. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to, I'm guessing that this was supposed to be a golf cart chase. It ended very quickly. And Kane almost kills sad Scotty Flamingo by running him over. Like, I was like, oh, did he get his leg? I thought he ran over his leg. I really did. Um, now, just, so, as a, just to kind of interject here, uh, we would later learn that them fucking around with the golf carts backstage where they were, Mm -hmm. they almost knocked the power out for the entire building. Really? Yes. That would have been... And they all got... They got huge heat afterwards because we're three matches in and they would have blown the power for the entire building, thus canceling WrestleMania. Oh, yes. Okay, it took me a sec. Right. Oh, my God. So, like, what do you... Like, heat? Like... The bosses and everything were mad at him? Oh, yeah. The buildings were mad at Vince for them fucking around so close to the power. So then Vince is like, God damn it! You almost blew it! So now, would you know if it was actually supposed to be a chase or not? Yes, it was supposed to be a chase. And it was supposed to go much further, huh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So then, there's a lot of them running to get where they have to go. Mm -hmm. Because now, I'm guessing, they have to go a long way to where the match ends. And so now it's funny because, like, Sad Scotty Flamingo's, like, running, 
and he keeps like looking over his shoulder to make sure they're still there, and they're just trying to do stuff along the way. Right. Like, oh, I'm going to kick, punch, kick, punch, kick, punch. And at, at one point, somebody gets thrown through a table full of Snapple, which was fantastic. And that's when we find out Polly's favorite flavor is Diet Peach. <laughs> so he's like, oh, they, they destroyed the Snapple. And he's like, oh, and I, they, they wrecked my favorite play, flavor, Diet Peach. And I'm like, Diet Peach is my favorite flavor, flavor too, Polly. So we got that going on. Um, then they worked their way all the way back to the ramp, like the 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 the, the entrance, and they have a big thing there. And uh, what is it? Uh, big Show is going to throw uh, Sad Scotty Flamingo to his demise. But luckily, Kane knocks him off the ramp into a not cushioned at all area. How dare you? <laughs> um, and uh, uh. Big Sh- no, uh, Kane wins by by uh, pinning uh, the Big Show with the ref on the outside of the glass where there's no cushion at all, mm-hmm. and they're just destroyed left there laying. And I was sad, so I thought they might have been killed between all the you know the walls they went through and putting and, putting their bodies and careers on the line. And we're only uh, three matches in, Todd. Oh my God! I, I you know what? I almost gave up watching because I thought this it peaked here. It peaked here. <laughs> So then now we get to, I, at this point I'm remembering how great this era of wrestling was. Right. Because Kurt Angle's sitting there, like, just, just fuming over, you know, a videotape that he's watching. And in and you're like, all right, you got Kurt Angle. Like, enough. Like, right there, you know, I'm, I'm all in on what's happening. Then you send in Edge and Christian. And Christian's in a sparkly shirt. I'm like, more sparkly stuff. Fantastic. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. Then he's got the John, the Elton John sunglasses on and they're talking to him and you're like, Oh, you're over, you're over, you know, you're over, like, you, you, you're too focused on what had happened. Like, go on and think. And he's like, No, look, if there's no ref and no bell and you don't, and you tap, then it's not, you're not, you don't tap out. And he's like, He's like, they're like, yeah, Kurt. And he's just mumbling to himself. And I'm like, oh, I forgot how much I liked Kurt Angle. Uh, so that's like just a short, like little vignette that I'm, I'm like fine with. Then we cut back to WWE New York and there's legendary wrestler Snooka in his, uh, in his tiger stripe shirt looking so good. And, and it made me think, if WWF New York was still open, that we would have went there and got a burger someday. With Jimmy uh, Snooker? Oh, too late for uh, both of those things to happen. That is true. Well, we can always bring back WWF New York. <laughs> this could be the thing that brings it back, this very podcast. Mm-hmm. Then, Linda Craftsman, the woman all the way from Brisbane, Australia. Did you get her on the blower for this week's I tried, but I think due to the time connection things. Okay. Okay, I found that interesting. So uh then now this is when they they you know they show stuff backstage again and that's when the rock has shown up. And rock comes in, he's putting his, you know, bag in the in the locker room and he takes off his jacket and that's when I notice that his that his magic uh workout regimen, he hasn't started that yet in his career. What are you talking about, Todd? He looked a bit smaller than he does on ballers. Huh. He, I'm like, now, granted, he's working out with, like, you know, the best of the best with HBO's money. 
on ballers. So he just, I'm like, wow, he looked a bit tinier back in 2000-ish. What was this, 2000, 2001? 2001. I was like, jeez, hmm, I guess it's next year he really gets big. I'm not sure. He uh, he ate a lot of uh, food between now and then, Todd. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, now it is time for Latino Heat versus, uh, Eddie Guerrero, who comes out with Perry Saturn in the greatest hat in Texas in 2001. Perry Saturn in the big white puffy top hat. Right. Makes me okay that it wasn't the Moppy era Saturn. Right. We're still a little ways away from that as well. When he gets. When he gets uh, his reward for his career by getting moppy, right? Like, because that's not a that's in no way you know trying to like anchor you. Moppy is an upsell, right? So it's not I a punishment. Just, it's not a rib, right. as they say. Right. So he's fighting Test, who was this before Stacy Keebler? Yes. Okay, she wasn't in the WWF yet. No, she was an acquisition from WCW. Hmm. Mrs. Hernan, uh, Hendershaw or something like that? Miss Hancock. Miss Hancock. Oh my goodness. Ms. I didn't know where the, I didn't know where the hell you were going with that. No, I couldn't remember what her name was because I remember. Let's just say I looked into her when she showed up on WWF. I gotcha. So, uh, at this point, Paulie Heyman starts burying that, the, or, uh, JR starts burying the hat that Perry Saturn's wearing. And then <laughs> Paulie Heyman just, just starts digging into JR about people wearing stupid hats. I'm like, all right, that's funny because, you know, the old Oklahoma Sooner JR is, you know, he's got his big cowboy hat on. Right. Um, and this is where Paulie starts burying Texas again. <laughs> And because uh, he's like, you know, this technically is Eddie Guerrero's hometown because uh, the Alamo uh, got beat, you know, got the Mexicans should own it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like he's just say, he's just beating down the Alamo again. It it it, it was really fantastic. Um, so Dean Malenko shows up in his yellow yellow shirt and helps out. But before this, I'm sorry, my notes are a little off. Uh, Tess gets hung up in the ropes. Right. And my favorite part about this is something you taught me as an announcer where you have to announce like stuff that's going on in the ring. Wink. And you have to explain things. Wink. And he's like, oh, like Tess is in the ropes where he can get destroyed. And look at that, look at that heel Guerrero helping him. The only reason he's helping him is because he knows he can't win with him hung up in the ropes. That's right. <laughs> and I'm like laughing really hard because I'm like, oh, like, yes. And like Perry Saturn's trying to pretend to, to like give him the what for while he's hung up in the ropes. And I'm like, Tess leg has to be aching at this point. Right. I'm like, because. Man, oh man, just that looked bad, if you know what I mean. Yes, sir. Um, so w- was he injured, do you know? Uh, yeah, he, like it wasn't anything too, too serious, but obviously, you know, that was not part of the match. Right. So, uh, and I forgot how much, like, Latino heat, I, I liked Eddie Guerrero as Latino heat. Right. Um, so he, uh, 
He ends up winning with Guerrero's help in the in the greatest yellow shirt I've seen in a long, long time. Um, the fashion isn't as good as some of the earlier, uh, what do you want to call it, interviews that you gave me, but we're getting there. Right. So, uh, but this is at one point, uh, I find out that Mick Foley is in the building. That's correct. And people at this time seem to really like Mick Foley. I don't know if you know that. Yes. And at this point, I start to notice that the, I forgot how much the crowd cheers for everything during this era. And we'll get to that a little bit as we go on. And I find out that Mick Foley is going to be the guest referee in the Shane versus Vince street street fight. Right. And uh, even though the fact that he was during the commission, as he was the commissioner of, of WWF, that he heard those fatal words from Vince McMahon, you're fired. And at this point, I'm surprised the president didn't sue because oh, that's his catchphrase. Well, he, Maybe Vince in, was doing it before uh, your president. Uh, that my president. Ugh. Anyway, um, so I just found that amusing to hear you're fired, uh, and he did it in the Vince voice, which is fantastic. Um, and he said, even though that happened, he's going to call it right down. And I thought he was going to say the middle, like. I'm mentioning Alfonso again, right? But it was it was the line. I guess he didn't want to get sued, even though at this point, um, McMahon's owned all the wrestling. You know, you didn't have to really uh, worry about it. And then Mick is leaving, and he comes back into the, the frame and goes, "Right here in Houston, Texas." And Joe, the crowd went crazy. I don't know, cheap pops, man. Just that was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if it, Mick was great for that. I do remember that. Now at this point, Austin comes in, and once again, that the show's the show's heating up, Joe, because the crowd goes crazy at the fact that he came in. And at this point, Jr. calls him something that I forgot that he, that was one of his nicknames, and it was the Bionic Redneck. I just I just found that that amusing. Um, so. Uh, then we get to the next match, and it's Kurt versus Redacted. Huh. Uh, right. So Kurt comes out, and he, and uh, yet again, somebody runs Texas into the ground. <laughs> um, he starts talking about, hey, buddy, check your flag. It's missing 49 stars. <laughs> I lost it. And then he's like, all you yeehaws in your cowboy hats. Get rid of them. What are you, nine years old? And I'm like, that's right. The only good cowboy hat is a tiny cowboy hat. Which and, we're still a few months away from. Right. But I just, I just, I remember the tiny cowboy hat. So, uh, I just found it funny, like, again, uh, him bearing it. And in all this, Kurt Angle beats Redacted. Um, moving along. <laughs> <laughs> So at this point, how did, now how how did you, as a kind of lapsed wrestling fan, how did it make you feel to see, uh, as you call him, redacted? Right, I'm calling him redacted because isn't he mostly redacted from out of the videos and stuff? Well, they've kind of eased back a little bit on that uh, in more recent years. Uh, if you pull up a match that he is like, if you go to a specific match on the award-winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network, there's a disclaimer before his, before his matches, um, right. you know, kind of disavowing their, you know, whatever. 
to the things that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a time where, like, even when you would pull up, like, say, a pay-per-view that had him on it, and when you watch a pay-per-view on the world, the award-winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network, it'll give you, like, little buttons that you could go to to matches. It would skip over those buttons for his matches. Oh, really? Yeah, but they've kind of dialed back a little bit on that. So you want to know how I feel about when I saw like, him? Yeah, like, here's this man who murdered his family and himself. And, you know, here he is on your TV screen wrestling, just as a regular dude. How do I feel about it um, when I saw it? Uh, n- nothing to slightly bad. Okay. Because now you got to remember, one, this, all right, this was kind of like my era of, if there's any era of wrestling that is that, that I enjoyed, it was this one. And seeing Benoit again, it was like, oh, like, yeah, he murdered his family. You know what I mean? Like... And that's terrible. And you feel like, I feel like, uh, but then it's like, I'm not, in, I'm not invested in wrestling, even though this was a fun era for me. Right. So I'm kind of like, you know, it's a tragedy. It's bad. It, bo- it, it bothered me for, it didn't bother me for a second as much as it reminded me of the tragedy. And then I was like, I was over it. If that makes any sense, that's just, I can, I can explain. I don't know how it is for you or like, and I'm going to say this real wrestling fans, you know what I mean? Sure. So so I, I, if it's different, um, so now we get to, um, I forget which interview, I think it was Michael Cole is interviewing, interviewing, uh, William Regal about his, about his, his loss. And we hear a ruckus in the distance, Joe. Okay, and it's a young wrestler by the name of Kamala with his uh, with his handler Kim Chi. Was that his name? That's correct. And the, apparently, Kamala wants to rub the picture of the Queen that replaces the autographed picture of the Fourth Doctor on his tummy. Yes, <laughs> and this I have to admit, in the midst of the biggest pay per view of the wrestling year. This little thing cracked me up because it's very fast, and then it just goes away. Right. And you're into Vince, Trish, and Stephanie with the roof. Now, this is where I find out that this is a uh, a, a roofie storyline where they're going to drug Mrs. McMahon. They've been keeping her drugged, yes. Keeping her drugged. So, you know, I'm thinking this is a good time for that storyline in history. They should bring uh, drugging people back. <laughs> maybe and not. We find, maybe not. Right. We, we find out that uh, that's what happened, and, and, this, and then we get the re- the recap of it all, uh, where you know we find out that she's roofied, and we're going to you know d- d- shocking stuff has happened. I want a divorce. Like the quick, then we get a little bit of degrading Trish, you know, by Vince McMahon. I've never backed down from a night of fight. And I'll never back down from your mother, and I'll never forgive her for giving birth to you, Shane. A little more degrading, uh, Trish Stratus. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the WCW thing ex- gets explained. I love the bit where they show that Vince is like, oh, well, you know, they're losing WCW, and the contract's all signed on that part, but I'll sign when I'm ready. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Vince. And then they show, uh, they show Shane show up. And I love the look as it's explained 
to him. No one makes better faces in the history of wrestling than Vince McMahon. Yeah. Vince McMahon's face while Shane is explaining that there's a McMahon's name on the contract, but it's Shane McMahon. Vince looked like a penguin tap danced into the room while reciting the Constitution. <laughs> He's just like, what? Uh, what is this? It's it's absolutely fantastic. And the fact that Vince Dr. Doomed himself with WCW. Right. He got too cocky for his own good, and he got taken down by uh, his son is fantastic. It's the like the ultimate ego trip doing you in. And I was like, all right, that's really, really funny. Um, so we're getting to the uh, Shane McMahon-Vince street fight match, and Shane comes out, and he wants to do a shout-out to some people in the, in, the, in the upper decks, Joe, in the cheap seats. Right. And apparently these are WCW wrestlers who I couldn't tell by the grainy, wobbly, really distant shot of wrestlers. But luckily, the director uh, decided to put up a caption that said WCW wrestlers. So there's, and I could just see him like, cue the vague shot of wrestlers. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I don't recognize any of these guys. They're all a little little dots on the horizon and I, I don't even know they they so, wouldn't get any ha- like uh the only halfway decent names they would get would be uh at the first run of things as part of this invasion it was about two months later they would get DDP and then about two months after that they would get Booker T and mm-hmm. then it was like then it was like uh a rough sail and to make kind of a chicken salad out of chicken shit gotcha no chopping walnuts here. <laughs> right, a little bit of celery though. Huh? Um, you never know. Um, so this is a match that, that this by far I'm thinking might be my favorite match on the show. Right, because of the fact just Paulie Heyman and Jr. S- just announcing everything like German stormtroopers are coming over the hill. While Shane and Vince give each other these dainty love tap blows <laughs> that are fantastic. Like Shane doing the Shane shuffle and doing the boxing thing. And it's like, pop, 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 pop. And they're like, the devastation. Oh, my, the humanity. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, he's broken. He's done. And I'm like. And you're looking at these two guys, and it's almost vaudevillian in their fight for most of it. Like, it's ridiculous. I I found it like that, like most of that match was was that. It was just, uh, like, junk. So, like, then down comes, uh, you know, comes Trish and Stephanie with, uh, you know, the, 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 with uh, Linda in the in the wheelchair and this this all and it just gets crazy at this point it's you know he's uh he's beating up shane and shane missed on the the jumping off the rope on vince on the spanish announce table shockingly the spanish announce table gets destroyed during this match um so i you know while they're doing that vince is is going to beat up linda mcmahon and mick is going to be the gentleman and get in the way but he gets 
feet with a chair and everything. And, oh, at this point, Trish slaps Vince. I guess she was not working for him all along. I'm not really 100% sure where all this goes later, like if she was a ruse or whatever. But Vince is going to beat up Shaney in front of Linda McMahon's comatose body. So he rolls her in the ring. He puts her on the chair, and he's beating up. He's beating up Shane with the four garbage cans that he threw in. And by the way, when one of them landed near Shane's foot and kind of taps it, he sells it like he got hit with a baseball bat. Because, you know, you get tapped, you got to sell. Um, so at this point, he beats him up with two of the cans, and he lifts up the third can. And Joe, do you know how you know you have the crowd? How do you know, Todd? When 60,000 people lose their fucking minds because a woman stood up out of a chair. (laughs) That's literally what happened. And I'm going to admit that I was like, this is, I remember this, and this is really cool. The stadium loses its mind over a woman getting up out of a chair. She kicks him in the the big balls that he has, that you know he has from the walk down the ramp that he does. So then, like, you know, Shano does the really impressive thing with the garbage can and drop kicks him from across the ring, which, what is that called? Like, post to post or coast to coast or something? I don't know what the name of it is. Uh, is right, sure. But I always remember how, how, you know, just amazing that jump was. And it still is. That's, that's pretty impressive to go from, you know, one side of the ring to the other. And you know what? I, I saw Shano Mack wrestle. At WrestleMania recently, right, and he he still got the cardio of, of the young man that he had back then. Oh boy, based on the pay per view from this past weekend, you should see the cardio he has from being a referee. Oh, I saw a little bit of that okay. while I was watching Game of Thrones. Someone had to show me uh, the cardio of Purple Shane McMahon. Oh, it's a long walk to the ring, Todd. <laughs> yes, it is. So, uh, basically Shane wins and I get, you know, whatever comes out of that where Linda was, was faking all along. Um, it was just fun. Like that's, this is the kind of shit that you know that, you know, I'm going to go crazy. Right. So then we get to TLC two, don't go chasing waterfalls, <laughs> um, which is the Hardy boys, uh, the Dudley boys and Edge and Chin and, you know, their famous match that they invented. Because we know, because they mentioned that uh, they mentioned, you know, that that they created it. Uh, basically, this is one of those like I remember TLCs, and they're crazy. I could go over every little thing, but I'm just gonna hit the highlights really quick. All six men going up the three ladders, trying to get the belt at one time, and they they go they go side, you know, the two on each side fall. That was really cool. Um, Dudley's building the four cave construction that. Uh, they didn't get around to at this point in the match, so I thought we'd never see it again. Oh, that's right. Right. And then Spike Dudley comes running out, and he's involved. And I don't know what move he does, but I really like the move where he runs up the ropes, the corner turnbuckle, right. and flips around. That looks, I don't know what that is. but they, At uh, the time, they called it the Dudley Dog, but when he was in uh, ECW, mm-hmm. it was called the Acid Drop because he was little Spike Dudley. Oh, Spike. No, well, LSD. Come on. Oh, little Spike then. I thought they were spiking it with LSD. Gotcha. Got. There you go. A lot of drug references on this show. 
<sighs> no Spectrox, though. Um, so I, I enjoy that. Chris, uh, he ends up doing the, 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 the Dudley dog up the, th- up the ropes and, and does Christian through a Chris, uh, table, which I found funny. Uh, not funny, but really cool. So Rhino and Lita shows up. Rhino just basically, I think he, he gores everybody in the match at one point. Right. Um, then Lita hits Spike with a chair shot, takes her shirt off apparently for no apparent reason. For the pop. For a pop. And then she gets, uh, double deed by the Dudley boys. Mm-hmm. Or three deed. I'm sorry. Three. Um, so I was like, okay, whatever. As long as, you know, Lita got to do what she, what she did. Uh, but then there's a really cool bit where, uh, that I've seen before and I still see like when they came back to W, WF recently is Jeff on that, that 40 foot ladder right. doing the, the high dive where you, you always feel that he's going to jump off that. And instead of doing the flip and landing, right, that ladder's going to kick out and he's just going to go straight down. If you know what I mean? Right. I always feel, uh, really like scared about that, but then seeing him try to walk across three ladders to, to get to the belt and that gets botched because it falls over. So he has to quickly set it up and run up. Um, so he could swing on the belt that the belts are hanging from the ring. So, uh, Edge can spear him. Uh, I thought was really cool. And all while all this happens, somebody gets thrown through those four tables off high ladder in the middle of the ring, which always makes me tense up anytime I see anybody fall out of the ring, uh, onto the floor, but. You know, so those four, don't worry, those four tables got crashed through. Oh, good. I know you were worried. But Edge and Christian win the belt, so I was, I was good with that. Okay. Woo! I'm sorry, I'm getting winded here. Sweaty in my old age. I feel like Shane O'Mac reffing a, reffing a match. Imagine he had to do this podcast. He'd be nine shades of purple. Oh, my goodness. So now we get to Triple H. Wait. Stop. What? So. Ladies and gentlemen listening at home, I I do have to let you know that this is a very long pay-per-view, as I'm sure you're aware. And I may have had Todd skipping around a little bit. Uh, You may have noticed before the entire match that he skipped, and that was for good cause. There was actually two matches that he skipped. Uh, One of these matches I wanted to share with you, the listeners of Longbox Heroes After Dark, Gallifrey Birds, Roman numeral number eight. So, Todd, uh, Mm -hmm. if you would... Pull up the files that I gave you, specifically the third file. Okay, let me get on that. And while Todd is doing that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you are a subscriber to the award-winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network, uh, I want to go to about two hours and 16 minutes into the event. Uh, I have been, Todd, over the last week, I've been bombarded by messages of people thanking me for doing this, excited for this moment that's about to happen. And uh, Todd, let me know when you're ready so we can tell everyone at home to hit play as well. I have it ready whenever you are. All right, so everyone right now hit play. I am pleased to announce that WrestleMania X7 I have it playing underneath this as well. Attendance record for any event taking place. Attendance records. Right, that's the, the Fink in the ring. Howard Finkel. Is that what you want me to know is the attendance record? Oh, hang on. 67,000 Thank you, fans. 
67,925. Yep. Millions watching around the world, Paul. Right, right. Gimmick Royal? Yeah, hang on. Nice ponytail, though. Thank you. I don't know what you're laughing about. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, is that? What? Oh, that's, uh, that's Mean Gene Oberlin. Mean Gene Oberlin, Todd. I didn't know it was Mean Gene. That was, I thought it was going to be uh, Johnny B. Bad coming out to Tutti Frutti. Oh, come on. I think Johnny B. Bad was on bad terms with the company at this point. I think Johnny B. Bad was on bad terms. See, it's tough to hear you while because the, the oh, match okay. is so much louder than you. You know what I mean? Oh, you might want to turn the volume down on yours, maybe just a touch. What? Oh! Bobby the Brain Heenan. He's a better gimmick than you. Oh, knock it off. The Johnny Carson of the sports entertainment world. For 30 years, the greatest measure besides me that ever performed in sports entertainment. Oh, Polly, no. He's the greatest man. Hey, shut up before I have Oakland and take your job on Raw. South. Uh, what a what? It is I'll talk over what they're saying mostly here. No problem. Is, is Bobby going to announce? Bobby and Gene are announcing this following match, Todd. Oh, fantastic. Oh, whackers of wood. I was never a fan of, the, of that walk. No. No. That, it always annoyed me, and they did it way too long. That had a, that walk had a name. It was called the Hongi. This is incredible. I love it. I mean, this is a homecoming for both you and I. And isn't it great to be back at WrestleMania? It's going to be back at WrestleMania. The man in black. Greatest organization going. And Tony, this is going to be Tony. Oh, I just called Gene Tony. That's a shame. Duke the Dumpster? Yep. Kind of, I think it's before your era. Did you? Early 90s. The Dumpster Trozzi. He was, it was when WWE, everyone in WWE had a job. You know, you were a garbage man, a plumber. Or a race car driver. Sure. So, now, what is this? A king of the... Oh! Cheeky! looking mean, Gene Oh my god. What is this? A Royal Rumble or? Battle Royal. Battle Royal, what does that mean? Over the top rope. Only way to be eliminated is there's one man left standing. Oh god. So that guy might get thrown over the top rope. Spoilers, everyone. He's gonna shatter if he hits the floor. Hang on. Olympian. Earthquake? Yep. Here I do not remember an earthquake. Earthquake had a run in the 90s uh, against the Hulkster. And then uh, went to WCW, became an avalanche. And then a shark. Well, I can't you think. Well, our place to telephone call to Las Vegas. 
And there's somebody that hasn't been introduced yet that I really uh, kind of favor. Gene just talking about illicit gambling on on the TV here. <laughs> the goon. Right, notice his uh his boots there are made to look up like a uh, hockey skates. Yes. Did uh did they send the sheet down first because he's probably still not at the ring? Hmm. Doink! Not Chris Jericho this time. Not Chris Jericho and not Stan? No. <laughs> I think no Stan. Stan was seven at home watching this. Very happy. If they wrap this cord around my neck a couple more times, I'll be happier. Is this the greatest match that's ever been at WrestleMania? Hang on. Herbie Wimbledon. Harvey Whippleman is a manager, referee, a longtime stooge in the world wrestling entertainments. And a fashion plate, as uh, Bobby Heenan just said there. Yo! Repo man, he's getting winner on favorite right here. There's that. There's that road word off the folks talk about, ladies and gentlemen. He had just said he repoed his own car. <laughs> Look at how happy he is to be employed. <laughs> oh, here's my pick. Oh! Jim Clarinet! I hope Repo Man kicks the shit out of Jim Clarinet. How dare you! And his, his burger towel. Oh, Nikolai! Nikolai still wears that uh, jacket on indie bookings today. <laughs> Nikolai Volkov was the first cosmonaut, but he was afraid to fly it, so he never went up. <laughs> I don't know, this might be my pick. Oh, is that Michael PSA? Yes, it is. Oh, with the, oh, with the Confederate robot. <laughs> Timely. Very sensitive. And I'm not talking about that robot, I'm talking about that pelvic crust. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at how gorgeous that man is. And the, the one man the ring filling up with a mass of humanity the here, ladies and gentlemen. One man gang. How many more wrestlers do we have, Joe? I think we got about three or four more if I'm looking at the list. Oh, here's a classic. Is that the gobbledygook? It certainly is gobbledygooker. Gobbledygooker? That's right. Was this Thanksgiving? And we get a little bit of flashback of his origins and how it ties into Mean Gene here. Hang on. Oh, my. Oh, Take a look at that. Oh, 
for weeks on TV. This was built up. Who's this new star that's going to debut out of that egg? And this is what we got. Gene thought it was going to be a woman. Tugboat! Tugboat, man, uh, man of many personas. We just recently what passed else the he? anniversary of him and his uh, stint as the Shockmaster. One of the most infamous moments in the world of professional wrestling. He was Shockmaster? He certainly was. Is, is this Hillbilly Jim? Oh. Hillbilly Jim! Oh my god, my father was a huge Hillbilly Jim fan. Huge! He'd he lose his mind whenever he came on the TV. Uncle Elmer, Cousin Luke, Cousin Junior, all the hillbillies that were around at the time. How's Uncle Elmer doing? He's doing great. Right where they left. Okay. <laughs> well, that's everybody, right? Uh, you'd be surprised on how many people in this match are still alive, Tom. No, I mean, that's all the wrestlers. Oh, now see, I know I have to change my pick again now. Brother love. You know all my uh, my wrestling stuff, your doot doot dudes and your pronouns yep. pals and everything else. Yep. Brother yep. love here. That's Bruce Pritchard. His podcast, hottest podcast in wrestling. This is him. Which second hottest podcast in wrestling after Gallifrey? After Gallifrey Birds, of course. Right. This is going to be the longest Gallifrey Birds in the history of the world. That's okay. Oh, a real American hero. Right. He's looking good. All that time with G.I. Joe really paid off. Really testing the belt there. I shouldn't talk, but... uh, Remember, your belt should buckle, not your chair. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Former Iraqi sympathizer as well. (laughs) In the dark period. That was supposed to be Tugboat, actually, but that's another story for another day. So now, Todd, we've got everyone in the ring. Pick me a winner. I'll give you a hint. This match goes less than four minutes. Right. Um, My pick, winner on favorite, Repo Man. We're starting already. Oh, Repo Man's the first one out. Uh, What? No. All right. Gobbledygook remix. All right, Michael PSA was the one who threw him out for the way. Now, notice, you'll see in the corner there, Jim Cornette and Bruce Richard, not wrestlers, are trying to just kind of keep themselves so the real wrestlers don't beat the shit out of them. <laughs> and these eliminations are happening fast and furious, Todd. See a lot of guys using the ropes to hold themselves up. He's not a tugboat, he's more of a garbage scowl. <laughs> oh, Look at the Russian... Oh. What? Russian fighting Sergeant Slip? Oh, earthquake. Has dismissed. <gasps> Michael PSA just no-selling that knee. Exposing the business, guys. Come on. The Iron Sheik and Hillbilly Jim. There's the two that 
three picks, Sergeant Slaughter and Nikolai Volkov. Going down to the goon. Oh, Kamala just threw out his handler, Kimchi. What the hell was that? That doesn't make any sense. That is every man for themselves, Todd. Get that winner's purse at the end of the evening. <laughs> That's right. Who went out there? One of the bushwhackers got eliminated. Oh, Jim Cornette. You know, Jim Cornette always keeps a handcuff key on his person. No reason. Don't ask questions. Take your, take your tennis racket and leave, Mr. Clarinet. Oh, there's Michael PSA now. He's a house of fire. I think he might win. He's, he's, he's gassed up. Come on. Where's Sheik? Before when I said, look at the wrestlers kind of holding themselves up with the ropes. Yeah, I'm trying to find... Oh, there he is. Just looking around. Just, oh, I hope he's okay. Oh, Sheik is... You know what? Sheik is plotting his move right now. Biding his time, that's right. Let these guys he is. He's like all this energy. He, he is. You know what? My new pick is Sheik because he's, he's got the most energy. He's, he hasn't... He hasn't worked at all. Oh, brother, love in there a long time. Look at look at the sheik. Just he's like a cat. Oh, good punches there out of brother love. Oh my god! Look at look at oh my god! I'm surprised hillbilly Jim could stand after that assault by the sheik. What? Oh! Oh, the final assault by Sheik wins the match. Todd, who would have thought the guy who looked like his knees were about to rick it off as he was walking out of the ring would be the only one that couldn't get thrown over the top rope would win it? What? No. Yeah, oh, my God. This is the most... Oh, my God. I can't believe how agilely the Sheik got turned around for that move. Doesn't matter. He already won. The Sheik wins. He's going to bring this money from winning this battle royal back to the Shah of Iran. He's out. I hope Sheik will be okay. Sheik. Exactly. Sheik won the battle, but Slaughter won the war. Right. Oh, he he knows so bad. Shake twice, twice, three times, four times. Fans are distracting him, Todd. All right. So was that worth? Was that a worthy surprise? Was that a delight? Yes, it was. Can I stop it now? Yes, you can. Because I'm going to watch a match again. I don't need to see. Right. Let's wrap this up. All right. Sorry. Let's take it home. Let's take it home. We got two more matches left to go. All right. So basically, um, the, they show the they show the the highlights of how Triple H and Taker got there. Um, I like the whole "I'll make you famous" thing, and Triple H was already I'm already famous for crippling people, which is a great thing. But I don't think that the match should have happened because I don't think any contract that is signed after you threaten to throw a woman down a flight of steps <laughs> should be sanctioned by the WWF. Um, so I'm just gonna say two quick things. One, uh, Undertaker and all the years that he was biker taker, which I love. Um, the fact that he never dumped a bike 
while he was running around the ring always shocks me. Unless um, he... No, he never did. But there were situations later, um, maybe about two or three years down the road, where he feuds with uh, Hulk Hogan. And mm-hmm. Hogan goes to steal his bike and then floods it and can't get it to go. Right. Yeah. Kind of like the uh, go-kart match. Right. Um, so, basically, the best part about this match, because I pretty much knew who was going to win this match, because Undertaker was 17-0 and at one point. Mm-hmm. So, I'm guessing they didn't have a, you know, there's no ties in there. So, he, uh, he won, but... Motorhead played uh, the game theme song. Yes. I may have watched that twice <laughs> and fast forwarded through the match. All right. So Undert- Undertaker wins, but uh, best moment of the uh, whole pay-per-view is Lemmy playing, and I hope he got a shit ton of money for it. I really do. Uh, he Lemmy had a working relationship with the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. He did Triple H's theme. He would later do the Evolution theme when mm-hmm. Triple H had his fake Four Horsemen. Uh, and then he did the Triple H King of Kings theme uh, a few years after that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically, the, he wins, and we'll go into the Rock uh Austin match, which I didn't remember that they made Deborah the Rock's manager. Right. Okay, so, and they're not married anymore, right? Austin and Deborah? No. Okay. So, another wrestling uh, relationship that was built to last. But, uh, so the, the match becomes no disqualifications. It was announced, you know, during the match and apparent, or as the, they were announcing the match and Vince, or uh, JR and, and Paul are like, we didn't hear about this. So, Long story short, Austin and Rock go at it for a while. They both end up bloody. So now Vince comes down. You know, he's like, oh, you're going to beat up Austin. He doesn't. He ends up just destroying The Rock, which kind of blew my mind. And Paulie and and JR lose their minds over this. Absolutely lose their minds. And it made me think, I don't ever remember. I don't remember austin teaming with vince at any point so i'm guessing he probably turned on him the next night on raw but uh austin just at one point after vince gives him the chair kicks the shit out of the rock with it hits him with the chair like he had like like austin has a fatal disease and somebody tells him if you really beat the rock with his chair you'll be cured and it and it just it just it just goes and then at one point uh Steve gives Rock the Stone Cold Stunner and he sells it like a missile in his chest and it's probably the best selling uh move that I like the selling of a move I've ever seen and uh then in the end uh, Austin ends up winning the belt and you know freaking everybody out. And did he turn on him shortly after this? No. So this is an interesting thing that you bring up that you say that you don't remember and you just assume that Austin turned back the next night. So Right. As we talked about last week, WCW's gone, ECW's gone, WWF owns everything, everyone. Um and this moment uh is not only the specific point that everyone looks at that the business started to take a decline to which it's never recovered from. It's mm-hmm. had a couple peaks here and there, but it's from this moment with Austin turning heel and specifically aligning with Vince that people point at even Austin today says that going along with this was the biggest mistake of his career 
And if he would had to do it over again, he would have done the tur- like he would have turned back the next night on Raw. Really? Yes. He, That's interesting. He is a heel from this point up until November, aligned with Vince, and is just this vicious. And they are doing everything to get Oss over as a heel, thinking, but the problem is, after this, Rock is gone. Uh, Triple H gets hurt shortly thereafter. Uh, Undertaker is off doing something else. So you turn Austin heel, you know, and they always say the bigger the baby face of the heel when you turn them and vice versa... But a lot of times that only works when you have a competing babyface to work against. Fair enough. Now, all things being what they were, you have to remember this is 2001, September of this ye- of that year, everyone becomes very raw, raw, politicized. Kurt Angle ends up turning babyface, and because of the events of 9-11, he becomes like the de facto babyface that takes out Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of other stuff that happened in between there, but Austin will say that his his career never recovered from doing this. Right, but he made a shit ton of money, so he doesn't really have to worry about it. He brings this up. He has a, he has a podcast that is two episodes a week, much like this, episode, this show. Right. Uh, he brings it up at least once a week. That this was the biggest mistake of yes. his life? Ugh. Let it go. It haunts him to this day. He should really let that go. I guess. He, he had a good run, let's say. He, he had a great run, but it's one of those things because, you know, obviously it was such a betrayal of the character. Like, going heel is one thing, but aligning with Vince is another. Now, the flip side of this is, if he never turns heel and never aligns him with Vince, over the summer, we never get those goofy skits with him and the singing Kumbaya and Kurt with the little cowboy hat and all that sort of shit. Right. But again, that doesn't have the same lasting effect as, you know, the whole package of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. So, overall, Todd, did you enjoy WrestleMania X7 from the Houston Astrodome in front of 67,000 people? Yes, I did. All right. Okay. So, and you love the Eighth Doctor, so it's a good show. It was really hyped up to me of how bad it was, Mm -hmm. and it was nowhere near as bad as anyone made it out to be. Right. Not even close. Uh, like I said, Good. a lot of the stuff being repeated, that sort of thing, I could have did without. But overall, you know, it was enjoyable. It was a perfect Good. thing that would have been on TV in the 90s. Right. And you got Eric Roberts. And so Eric all... Roberts. Right. So, that was a long Gallifrey Birds. This is why I took a nap before we started recording, Todd. This is why I drank heavily before we started. All right. So... We're going to clock in at just under two hours, by the way, which is, I think, what the last one was, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Now, hopefully, the pay-per-views will be shorter and we won't have to do that again. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. All right. All right, everyone. So thank you.